And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable B2B marketing and website tips, useful podcasts, free goodies, and more to kick off your week with a bang. Why not give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. joining me today we've got a special episode i'm joined by not one but two guests we've got jack frimpson and zach thompson of we have a meeting welcome to the show lads how are we all Thanks good for having us. Thanks really for good. no dramas at all looking forward to it a very a very special episode with some special guests we're talking about why sales is like a therapy session so uh some might be looking at the title and thinking what the heck is is this going to entail um which i was as well but with that said let's dive straight in sales and therapy what's the link chaps i mean it all sounds a bit odd to me what's what's the uh what's the connection well i don't want to put you on the spot sam but if any of your listeners have ever been to therapy before often you go to therapy knowing you probably have a problem or the maybe the symptoms of a problem that you're wanting to diagnose and through conversation and being communicated with properly, you end up reaching an outcome of probably here's the, the actual root of the problem I'm facing. Here's my motivation to change or to stay as I am. Hmm. And here's the actionable next steps to move away from the problem. Or maybe if you're trying to improve yourself, move towards pleasure. So we find that our sales conversations, demos that we do for our clients, discovery calls, all seem to work best when they take on that kind of mantra and follow the therapy session steps. Don't know if you'd have anything on that, Jack. Yeah, one million percent. I echo what you say, and I also think like sometimes that the brain can be an absolute jungle of mess, and until you've actually said something out loud, sometimes that's clarifying it. So when you say it, it's like, ah, oh, okay, that's why, or that's what I need to do, or oh, that's the problem, and that's the root cause. Whereas our goal with, with all sales should never be the case. We are not trying to sell to every single prospect, every single discovery call, every person that we cold call. We are not trying to do that. If you were trying to do that, yeah, you might be a gazillionaire, but also you can't because people aren't as open and, and responsive um so you probably want to speak to the people that need help but that's where challenging comes in but also when people start to open up and maybe have to defend what what they uh what they want that's when they start to realize how much they want it and i think that's where there's probably uh, different paths that you can go down but I, I think a lot of the calls that we that we do and one of Zach's calls, you should, you'll probably tell it better than I do, but when you were speaking to that bloke on a cold call and he started talking about his wife and his kids, do you want to jump in there, Zach? Yeah, so the like, like, like most people, I think what we expect to salespeople is you're going to pick up the phone and someone's wearing a big sign that says, please qualify me, right? So you start doing the steps and all of a sudden they say, yeah, come on, sit down and we can really what happened was this bloke said you know what i've been looking into this for a little while now i've just not pulled the trigger yet so rather than do the obvious thing that i probably would have done 10 years ago when i started out in sales and tell him all the reasons that he should we went more down a path of why he shouldn't what he liked about the way things were at the minute 
And then he just started to gradually start telling me some quite personal stuff that his marriage had recently broken down. He was seeing a new girl. He was having his kids on the weekend. And he was realizing that he actually didn't have time to focus on those things, focus on a new relationship, focus on his kids. When they were around, he was always thinking about work. And he said, you know, if I got this right, then maybe that would give me more time. And then that's really what we were selling on. We weren't selling on, here's a clever bit of tech that will solve a problem for you. It was more, here's what your desired future state would look like, more time with your new girlfriend and more time with your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be great to kind of break that down in a bit as well so we can give something actionable. Maybe we can do a little bit of a, a role play or scenario in a bit to, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> to um, yeah, to share kind of what that looks like in a real convo. But that's, so it sounds like that's that that chap that you were speaking to, like you actually, um, that's that's quite rare, at least in my experience, for someone to go that personal. I don't know if that's that's something you guys see often, but where someone will literally kind of talk about their personal life on quite a deep level, and then get to the, in your case, the the problem, which was that he didn't have enough time with his family, and that's what potentially looking at this solution could free up his time, so we could. Is that something you I see? Was- I would say we we see it on a, it's not every call because obviously you can't get people to open that that but it's not sure. that much on a on a on a regular basis because it's just if you if you delve in and actually like most most sales reps will hear the problem and that is I'm going in now I'm going to book a meeting I'm going to get 15 minutes in the diary and then we can do it and then we can go through everything especially when you're on a cold call when you've got somebody what is the impact of that problem? I really need to know what is actually, what have you tried to fix it? What happens if you don't fix it? All of these different things we've worked out recently as well, like from kind of analyzing our our sales schools and, and things like that, that you actually, it's around about 10 deep diving questions that you need to ask to get somebody to open up before you should even like talk about like sitting down and exploring it further which I think is like a good actionable takeaway. But one of the guys came to me today, he said, I'm doing six and I feel like I could, I need a few more, but I'm, I'm losing, I'm not really sure where to go. And it's like, well, okay, break that down. There's, there's three big topics there, problem, impact, and solution. Let's add another one into all of those buckets. And then that's nine and we're nearly there. Okay, but I don't know if I could think of any like broad questions that would be applicable. Okay, well, let's add a mirror in. Let's make sure that you ask those two questions and then you add a mirror in at the end of that. And then you go, bloody hell, that's nine deep diving questions. Well, I asked one more, that's 10. Usually at that point, people are invested enough. The conversation's gone on for 10, 15 minutes and you're laughing. Mm, yeah, that's something I want to get into because there's there's a balance, right? When you're prospecting, initially trying to get a meeting, if they're a good fit with a potential client or if you're doing a kind of discovery call or perhaps running a demo whatever it might be chances are you've got to ask some questions to understand a bit more about this potential prospects world if they've got problems or not um so i do want to get into in a minute how we kind of separate that from being an interrogation so the prospect doesn't see it as 50 questions or 10 questions like you mentioned there which you said work quite well to you to actually something that goes like a free-flowing conversation but before we do does someone need to have a problem in order for us to be able to make a sale? Um, in, well, this is interesting. So in our world, with our style of selling, yes, there are more transactional things that might be getting on suppliers' lists is, is, is an example. So sometimes when you speak to someone about 
like like a, a big construction company or something, I want to supply you more bricks. You probably go down the path of what don't you like about your current suppliers, and in a market like construction, it's probably things around I can get it a bit cheaper, or you can be there slightly more on time. But it's not like a big problem like a tech solution might fix. Right. Um. So the problem doesn't always have to be glaring. In our approach, which is we like to try and book clients things on the first few days, we find that any can I get you on a preferred suppliers list type sales cycle? I'm just thinking that as an example. Sure. We're probably not the best bet for you, and there might be other ways of doing it. Not that we'll turn it down if someone wants to pay us lots of money to do it. Um, but with what our approach is and the way we go through the process, because it is so problem-centric, for us, they do need to have a problem, and that's part of the discovery process we go on with our clients, making sure not only do they solve a really tangible problem, but do their buyers really feel it? And how does it kind of manifest in day to day? If it doesn't, then there might be another style of selling out that's, that's better suited for them. And why problems as opposed to, let's say, advantages or features or benefits? Why are we going for something that's causing an issue, causing frustration, causing pain, as opposed to, I don't know, the Grant Cardone approach, 10 exit, make your life better, improve this, get better at that? Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> so I mean, I won't, I won't say anything about Grant. I'm sure he's an avid listener. Um, he's probably watching now. But really, it comes down to human psychology, so how, how decision-making happens. So it works in, in kind, of, kind of three. So there needs to be deep thought, and really we only think deeply about things which we think are impactful. So problems are a great place to start. Problems, moving, moving away from problems or towards pleasure is, is often a good place to start. So that's kind of the top of the tower. So when I think deeply about that, I then attach a feeling to it. Only when I've attached a feeling to it and an emotion to it, do I then put action behind it. So really what we find is the problem, if you're feeling it enough, should have some emotion and the emotion should link with the motivation to actually act and do something. We can all have a nice intellectual conversation around a product or service, but really it's only when you actually feel it recognize it in your world have a problem that's tangible do you actually move towards any sort of action hmm. and does that mean the bigger the problem the bigger the potential deal size i would say on my experience it's actually down to how long someone's had the problem for we'll often unlock how motivated they are okay so if i was to give you an example in my own life i've got a hole in my shed roof my kids bikes and things get wet but I've still not fixed it and I probably think of every excuse to not fix it on the weekend yeah in a business setting there will be lots of problems and as Jack was alluding to before salespeople often hear a problem yeah I recognize that problem great and they jump all over it well if you take a step back and start talking about how long it's been in place for what it's done to fix it you can quickly unearth that actually it might be a massive problem but they're allergic to change they've got no budget or they don't want to spend any money yeah. And they might have the problem, but zero motivation to actually fix it. I've and then people it. are... Sorry, Sam. You go ahead, mate. I was going to say, and then the reps rush into that meeting. They're already putting it into Salesforce. And I've got this big op. He's got this big problem. And then they're confused as to why the deal will go, cl- like the deal will go cold. Well, is how, how motivated are they to fix that? And that's the thing. Like, it's the... We're big fans of many different sales leaders and things like that but the the keenan approach is is it a headache and they can just go out and take a paracetamol or is it a brain tumor and actually we need to get them to see a doctor straight away and that doctor is for us the client for that that is 
DAE or the, whoever it may be. Yeah, that's a nice analogy like that. Yeah, it's like sometimes we'll get inquiries and people will say, well, we need a new website. I'll ask, well, why do you need a new website? And they might say, oh, our current one's not very good. And I'll be like, what do you mean very good? And they might say something like, don't like the look and style or the design and feel. I said, okay, but is there anything more to it than that? Like, does the website need to generate inquiries? Does it need to build brand? Does it need to build trust? I'm like, not really sure. It's actually doing okay. Um, it's actually generating <laughs> a few leads and stuff like that. It's like, are you sure you really need a new website actually? Not sure I do. It's like <laughs> perhaps you want to look at something else like marketing or ads or stuff like that to drive more traffic to it. But it's like you say, it, I, I come across the same thing. Unless someone's got like a genuine kind of frustration that is something that's eating away, whether it's at, at their business or not freeing up time or causing them some kind of distress, um, you can quite, with certain techniques, which we can go into in a minute, you can quite quickly determine if they're actually going to be a, even a client for you or even a good fit prospect worth chatting further with or something. You should just say, look, I don't think it's worth you spending time. Let's pick up in six months when uh, it might be more, make more sense for us to chat. And, yeah, and that yeah, is the salesperson's right. job because really in the sense of it's not to sell to as many people. It really, a salesperson's job is to keep a slender pipeline of yes is okay this is something that's going to move forward but something ridiculous has happened at the last minute or no's like and that and that's it no maybes no yeah we need a new website okay i'll put you in the maybe pile we'll have a few meetings every week but the, the first question should be like okay and if it was a choice of parting with fifteen thousand pounds for a new website or just putting up with the feeling of not liking the color green on your website what would you rather do well i'd rather put up the color than spend that money okay brilliant disqualified you've worked it out but actually they, they'd say that i'm waking up in the middle of the night every night thinking about this bloody awful color of green on, on the website then it's just like i'm not alluding to our new website by the way <laughs> i'm just giving I'm, just, I'm just giving a, an example then it's like okay there's a problem like that's that's a, like a tangible problem of, of something we can take and it's um yeah i think just disqualify qualify or disqualify that that is the game but make sure you've done your job properly when it comes to questioning. I think that's probably one of the, from my experience, the things that most sales reps, myself, I certainly used to be, are, are scared to do, right? Especially if you perhaps aren't getting fed many leads from marketing or whether you're a business owner and you're not getting many inquiries through referrals or word of mouth or your website or whatever marketing you do. At that stage, it feels hard to say no to prospects or to say we're not, we might not be the best fit at this stage. Yeah, you get more, I think, I don't know if you've all found this, but since I've become my own boss, you are more comfortable with it. I think if you're sat in the office with your boss and you were to be have a, a proper sales process that's honest, and, you know, the elephant in the room when someone's like, call me back next week or let's put something in the diary for a few weeks' time, is I've probably not done enough and it's probably over. Or they're not motivated enough to do anything. Running your own business, you're a bit more honest about that. And you can call that out and say, you know, listen, nine times out of 10, when someone tells me that, what do you think they mean? And they say, well, no, I'm not. I, I'm, I, Yeah, I can see what you're saying, but I definitely will, you know, pick up the phone or, okay. And then what happens when you don't? And you can kind of call them out on the things that you couldn't when your yeah. boss is looking at your uh, sales force. Is it up to date? And what opportunities have you generated? If you were being honest, you could have more of a yes or no approach. And there's probably a leadership problem in that somewhere. Okay. Mm. I, I was going to ask you, Zach, I, I, that's a nice point. So it, it's very easy for us to sit here and say that because we're 
<clears throat> do you know what I mean? We run a company. So what is the what? And I think you alluded to it there with the, the leadership. So why would they not feel comfortable doing it? And how do they actually go into it? Like, how do they start being a bit more ruthless? I think everyone, so everyone's got a boss. Even we've got a boss, haven't we? We've got our, like Sam's boss is the clients that he's working for. Our boss is the clients that we're working for. Um, so if you're working in a company right now, it's often how is your sales director reporting things into his boss or her boss? And that's probably, it probably goes up the tower with what the problem is. You know, how many opportunities have you generated this week? Well, what is an opportunity? Oh, an opportunity is a, is, is a conversation that turned into a demo. Okay, but why did that conversation turn into a demo? Oh, because we just stole 15 minutes in their diary. We just, we we just snuck it in. Let me show you what I've got. We gave them a Starbucks car. We bought them a plant or whatever. Um, so often it's, it's not always the SDR or AE's fault, I think. Mm. Um, it could be a leadership problem. But a good place to start, I think, is picking out what your most common objections are or reasons not to buy and putting them at the front of your sales process and seeing what happens. So when you get on the phone with someone in that discovery call, you know, we all start, I know Sam starts his calls the same as well. It's what do you want to happen, Mr. Prospect, end of the call, not let me tell you how great we are. Okay, and if all that happens at the end of the call, then what would you want to happen? Well, then I'd want to know about your costs, onboarding process, whatever it is that you're selling. Okay, do you mind if I just share before we jump in maybe two reasons why someone wouldn't buy from us when they got to that point that we've not talked about so far? Here's what it costs. Here's what I'm going to need from you at the end of it. They're, they're two quite big commitments. You're still comfortable having the conversation. Get them out of the way before you even start. And that way, at the end of the call, you're probably going to be left with a more hard yes or no. So once you've mm. got those objections there, then you would do um, like the upfront contract, you know, something around. Based on that, are we happy to agree like a yes or no at the end of the call? But I think sort of front loading all the reasons why you shouldn't do will save a lot of time and probably streamline your pipeline tenfold yeah 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 definitely that's sound advice um knowing those those common objections that you've get and like you said if you perhaps don't know them if you're newer to your business or not experienced in the industry why not ask the rest of your team or or management or the owner whoever you can kind of find out these juicy problems because like you said if you can if you can get this out the way early it's going to save you a lot of time and hassle and it's going to mm. save the prospects a lot of time and hassle and you're not keeping kind of deals in your pipeline that are never moving anywhere and that you're forever exactly. following up on. Um, but also to go back to what you said there, qualifying out early, it feels better as well, doesn't it? As a, if you're selling, like it means you're not trying to sell to someone who's not a great fit. You're generally looking for someone that you can add value to with your product, your service, your offering. And it means that, yes, you're, a lot of the time what I've found as well, I don't know if you guys are the same, but when I've shared, like I, based on what you've told me so far, I don't think we're going to be the best partner. I might try, if I know someone in my contacts, I'll intro you to someone I think is a better fit. Builds a lot of trust. I think mm. most most prospects are taken back when you said that. They're like, what? Someone didn't try to sell me on this call. They're actually saying they're not the best partner. And I think that it builds quite anything, a lot of trust. They want to buy more, <laughs> which is yeah. it's like a double-edged sword. It's like, no, 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 I want to do this now wait, no, I've just told you not to do it. Yeah, but I want to do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> People that's come it. back as well, don't they, when you've been that, look, it's almost like we can't have this conversation until you've got these things in order. And then they come, we've started having people come back to us recently and say, I'm ready to have the conversation now. And, the st you know, they've stayed in the network. They've stayed on LinkedIn or whatever else, and they've just stayed 
we've stayed visible with the stupid stuff that we post mm. and they come back and they you know they're kind of ready to be qualified or disqualified again so it's, it's not over and no in the moment it's not not the end but it's That's better to thing. eliminate than keep that maybe and go into bed going, exactly. oh, i wonder if that person's going to send me an email tomorrow or should i send them a breakup email mm. <laughs> yeah that's agreed that's agreed cool chili piper is an advanced scheduling solution for b2b revenue teams rather than listen to me ramble on here's a super happy customer describing how chili piper has revolutionized the way they work Chili Piper as a tool has just become part of our fabric. It's our meeting booking system for our prospects. And you'll be pleased to hear it just does it. It's like the ideal piece of software, which you don't have to babysit. It just does what it needs to do. My SDR team like using it as well. The main bulk of their role is outbound prospecting, which they use Chili Piper to book, book those meetings. Ultimately, they are booking meetings for the account executive. Their handoff is working you know, really well. You just heard there how Chili Piper can free up resources and turbocharge your productivity. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R dot com slash BGS. Chilipiper.com slash BGS. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. So we started getting into it a bit earlier. Zach shared a bit of a story um, about kind of how you went through some problems with the prospect and they got quite detailed on their personal life. But I think it'd be quite fun to essentially, because I know you guys are doing it day in, day out with your company, setting meetings for various businesses. Now, how do we, this is probably especially hard on cold calls. How do we ask about our prospects' common frustrations and problems and how do we ask them these qualifying questions without it sounding like an interrogation session making it sound like a good free-flowing conversation, making them actually want to give us feedback so it's, it flows nicely. And then depending on what our next objective is, whether that is booking an appointment or perhaps we're on a demo call because they've come inbound, um, mm. perhaps we need to do that initial qualification and then show them our, our tool uh, through video share. What So what are some, what are some first considerations? Do you want me to go, Jack? Or... You, you, I, I didn't want to jump in. <laughs> So I would, I could give you some sales jargon here, but often what we do in terms of training people is find out where do you do that in your own life anyway? So I'll give you an example. Sam, so say I met you for a beer and I sat down with you and you said, well, you're, you're right, mate, you look a bit down. And I said, do you know what? I'm in so much debt, I'm going to have to sell my house. What's the first question you'd ask me? 
the first question, what happened? Mm, exactly. And then I'll probably tell you. And then you probably ask me another question. You probably ask me how I was feeling, find out why, how long has this been going on for? So really it's linking with like, how do human beings actually ask questions? You know, like another example might be, I'm thinking about leaving my partner. Why? Again, what's happened? If you tried this, if you looked at that, the style of question that happens in human life with your friends and family, lean into that. And what often happens in a call like we start doing a little bit of consultancy for people and sales training and things. What you often hear is a common mistake is the, the kind of active listening bit is missing. So it makes the next question feel like you're just going through a process. Mm. So you can ask a question. I give you a really heartfelt answer on the problem. You miss part, parts of it because you're thinking about the next question. You go, okay, great. Um, and you just go into the next question. Okay, that makes sense. Great. Now, if you were meeting your mate in the pub and he told you, like, I'm thinking about leaving my wife, you wouldn't go, Okay, great. You thought about a new wife? Okay, cool. Great. That sounds great. That makes sense to me. Okay, cool. You wouldn't talk like that. You'd, you'd, you'd slow it down. Bloody hell, mate. Everything all right? God, how long has this been going on for? You'd really relate to that person. So I think it's, it, it's, it's more like the authentic asking of questions and the authentic listening. What is the language of listening? Mm. we had we had a, an example one of our reps did it the other day that the intro the kind of the upfront contract all of that bang got a ceo really invested in the call and then he was like you're probably going to tell me you have none of those problems so they're like no 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 we don't have any of those problems and the next question was okay so what is the biggest problem you're facing and the the ceo just went uh now you're starting to sound like a sales rep do you know what i mean it all the work in that front end to say I'm not your typical bullshitty salesperson is is kind of wasted. We'd be like, okay. So a, a beautiful example is there. Okay, well, it sounds like everything's perfect. Okay, right. I've been, okay, I'm, I'm confused. I've been speaking to every other CEO that works in a fintech company and they've been seeing these problems. What are you doing that's so different? I mean, you don't have these problems. Uh, and then you'll be surprised that if you dig it and you poke it, something will unearth. And it might be a completely different problem. But if you just go in, okay, well, tell me, Mr. Prospect, what are you what are you struggling with so I can solve it? Yeah. So somebody comes in to see the therapist and they go, "How the how's the week been?" And they go, "Yeah, it's been really good." And it's like, okay, well, are you struggling with anything? It does, it's not that kind of. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay. And what what bit of the week of what have you been doing? Well, yeah, I went out on Thursday night. I woke up really ropey on Friday. You woke up really what ropey on Friday? Yeah, and then I had a bit of a. There you go. Okay, we're into a conversation now, and and I think that's the especially the link where we're bringing it to the sales and the therapy thing. It just yeah. can't be like I've got. It can't be a list of I've Let's, got ten questions here. That active yeah. listening's got to be. It's 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 a maze between. Yeah, it isn't it weird like. You just gave an example there. So in that CEO's position, they it sounds like they'd agreed to chat with you and then you'd mentioned the problems that you fixed and they said, actually, we're, we're all sound. And then when you take the po super positive angle, like, oh, it sounds like everything's working really, really well. Like, what's the secret sauce? Um, when you start going, like, positive on a positive, it's funny how people rift and then go negative, as in that yeah. prospect of them go, well, actually, the agency we're working with right now aren't as good as they could be on this, this, and this. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, do you have any, do you have any evidence of how, or any ideas of psychologically why that happens? Yeah, there's something called negative bias. It's there from when we were 
in tribes that the science behind it is it's your brain is wired to recognize is that a tree or is that a lion coming to eat me and it's safer to think everything's a lion because it could keep you safe so as soon as it feels like things are moving in a in a, in a non-negative way it's kind of against your wiring mm. so really it's much safer and there's a mad bit of research I, I've, I've double double and triple checked it but human beings have something like 80,000 thoughts a day maybe 60,000 something like that 60 to 80 percent of them are negatively framed so it doesn't mean you're thinking like I'm going to crash my car into traffic because I'm so miserable today but it just means they're all under like a oh it's a bit cold outside I should have dressed differently oh god it's a bit smells in it you know so it's like those sort of tiny little thoughts throughout the day that are all negative and yeah. then if someone comes up to you and stops you in the day with a big grin on the face and says I'm here to solve all your problems naturally because you're not approaching your day like that you're going to be like I won't swear you'll be like go away you know you won't you won't you won't take it as it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel natural mm. Mm. Got it. i think that there's a there's something else that is is kind of on topic but i wanted to add on there because i think it's like a really beautiful point when it comes to like therapy and and cold calling themselves as well me and zach were having a conversation drunk in the back of his dad mobile while his uh fiance was driving us home a couple of weeks ago and we got talking about why is it when we challenge ceos and we frame it negatively and stuff like that how how do we get them to open up so much especially when you're talking to c-suite people a lot of people don't feel comfortable like talking to them or calling them they call on the level they're comfortable with that's another topic but why are these people opening up and why why do we get them there and i think that the realization from zach was well actually it's quite a lonely place at the top. Me and Zach jump on the phone probably eight times a day and we'll have a big catch up on the Friday. We're, we're always talking to each other. So it's like, this is pissing me off. This is shit, blah, 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 blah. We can vent at each other. If you're the CEO of a large software company or whatever, yeah, you might have your team around you, but really, who do you nag to? And I know when I go home and I know that Zach, when we go home to our partners, I'm bored of work. I don't want to talk about work there. I want to kind of sit green street on and see what we're having for tea is is that kind of thing but when you're speaking to them the people go i don't know how you're having a conversation for 10 15 minutes it's therapy for them and they can open up and there's a chance to go this is a stranger and if you frame it in the right way and you do the right approach you'd be so surprised at how willing people are to have conversations because it's their passion project they built this up from scratch or they they put all their time and blood and effort into it so actually, yeah, of course they're going to talk about it. Like, like we're talking about sales, we could sit here for four or five hours. But it's, it's that kind of thing of like you poke the bear. Being a CEO is a lonely place. And it's that relationship of rejection and validation that they've got within themselves as well. And you can kind of work that out on the call of which one to steer them towards. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting take. Because like you say, I think a lot of, especially when it comes to cold outreach, you mentioned something just now that a lot of uh, sales professionals are only, I guess, wanting to call on the level they're comfortable with. And they perhaps feel that kind of reaching out to the C-suite, whether that's CEO, chief marketing officer, I don't know, chief technical officer, whatever it might be that they go after, is something that they shouldn't do. And for some reason, these people are far beyond them and they'll never <laughs> sit and talk to them when it's like, you make quite a valid point there. Like if you can pick something that's going to resonate or lead with something that's going to ring a bell in their world, whether that is some kind of problem or frustration, it's, uh, it's going to be a way it's, to start a conversation. 
it's a mindset thing that most sales reps think that they're disturbing people when they're cold calling, they're annoying people, they're filling up their inbox. Oh God, it's me again. Hi there. Whereas actually, if you go in with the framework and the, the mindset of actually, I've got a brilliant solution that that's going to solve so many people's problems. The only issue is I don't know who has those problems. So I'm just going to go out to market. I'm going to speak to a few people. I'm just going to find out and I'm just going to find those people. You don't have it. Brilliant. On to the next person that might have it. But people think, oh, I'm, I'm going to annoy them. Oh, I can't call them at 9 a.m. on a Monday. They'll be busy. OK, I won't mm-hmm. do that then. So so you don't do it. Do it. Do you know what I mean? I'll call King Charles. Have you got his number? Yeah, and Cognizant. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Cognizant. Um, <laughs> with that says, we've talked a bit about how to make it a nice, got a free-flowing conversation, like someone you might have with uh, at the pub, one of your friends. How do we, going back to the therapy kind of analogy, how do we kind of get to the root cause? Because as we said at the start, some problems you can just ignore, whereas mm. some are, a massive headache, a massive frustration. They're keeping you up at night. They're causing you your business money, time. You're losing sleep. Maybe you're losing staff. Maybe something's affecting your, your personal life. How do we take it from just a surface level problem to finding out if it's something super important that's actually going to be worth this prospect, this potential client sitting down with us on a demo, a consultation, or even buying our stuff? There is a bit of a framework to follow, but <clears throat> half of the battle is getting people to open up. And often we're hearing about pattern interrupts in terms of pattern interrupt. The, the most common thing that you hear about is how we start a call. But a pattern interrupt might be just being different in a conversation, like hitting a different pattern. So if I told, if I said I'm an alcoholic, which I'm not, give me five years though, you know the way things are going. <laughs> um, but, but I'm not an But the most common thing, if someone found out, you know, oh, this person's an alcoholic in my life, is trying to kind of talk them out of being an alcoholic. Really, probably the question they're not used to being asked is, what do you like about it, right? And what they probably like about it is the safety in it. I don't get suffer with rejection as much. So when people talk to you about a business problem in the same way, you know, we're all still people. We still feel business problems in the same way that we feel like, well, we need to drink a bit too much. If they've got a business problem, by going down a path of, well, what do you like about it, the way things are at the minute? Well, we've done it for a long time. My guys are allergic to change. We've got a supplier in place. Okay, so you get a bit of a framework for, okay, so why are we talking? Well, because, you know, I I need to solve these bits. Okay, but your current supplier couldn't solve those. Well, I don't know if they could. Oh, you've not asked them. Well, no, I've not asked them. Okay, but if you did ask them, what do you think they'd say? Well, I don't know. Do you want to try that first? And it's like going a little bit deeper into the root causes, but often leaning into what do you like about the way you are right now? What do you like about the situation that you're in? will open up all the reasons why someone's probably not going to do something. Now, the mm. flip side of that is you say, what do you like about the situation you're in at the minute? You must like something. They say, I don't like anything about it. I hate it all. Right, okay, now we're, in, now we're talking. But nine times out of 10, people like the way things are in some way, and mm. we're just too scared to ask them why. So there's a lot more reasons not to buy from you than there are putting all those on the table first and gradually taking them away will leave you with what the root causes are and what the motivation is to do anything. And it's, and, it, and it's always, and it's always going back and being like, well, couldn't your, you know, or, or I know that you guys can, you've got a platform that works offline. Does your new supplier not have a platform that works offline? No. Is it in their roadmap? Oh, I don't know. 
do you want to ask them that first? Because if that's two months away, you'd probably stay with them till then, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. And it's just getting a bit deeper into it, you know? I think yeah. it also builds that trust piece as well. Do you know what I mean? Why don't you go and do this, this and this? Right, okay, we've done that. Now, yeah, it's not going to go ahead. We're back. I think it, don't, it doesn't have to be, a, like you said, it's not a no forever. It's just a no now. And it's all part of the the way we the way we feel about people and all those things that person's listened to me they've mirrored me I, I feel kind of comfortable with them they've given me advice blah 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 all those things brilliant hmm. Hmm. and i guess this is even more important if you are providing quite complex solutions if you're perhaps selling software that's to the enterprise maybe it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or more um mm. like if you're just getting surface level answers and people are saying, um, I don't know, my current CRM doesn't work very well. I need it to grab my Gmail contacts and export them within a minute. And it takes like two hours. Um, but it turns out there's actually an update coming from their current provider next month to fix that. It's like, is that really something that you want to take all the time to move all your tech over to us? Like take the pain of a month's transfer and all this cash and stuff. It's like, is it really worth it now? Exactly. Exactly. Good examples. Um how do you tend to, I guess, carry the conversation from going from these problems, let's say we've got to the root issues, um, to actually then taking some form of next step, whether that is another appointment, whether that is taking some kind of payment, whether that's booking a demo or whatever you want to do next. How do you, I guess, move things forward? It's probably like two very simple answers. When it comes to booking meetings, for me personally, and I know Zach will agree, the best meetings, you get to a point where you're talking, talking, and they're like, right, okay, what should we do? Do we, do we like, and they suggest it. You've been talking for so long and you've listened, okay. And right, okay, and what, what, what do you do? Like, they know it's a sales call. They know what they're getting into. And what do we do? Do we jump on a demo? Do you send me an email? Well, what do you usually do? Or a very simple one is, okay, and what would you like to happen next? Hmm. If you do all the work there, it shouldn't feel like a, okay, can I get 15 minutes in your diary? It should just feel like an easy one. So, or I don't know enough about you, but I guess I know that we have helped a lot of people that have these problems and they are struggling with this. So is there any reason why you wouldn't want to sit down and explore this for 10, 15, 20, whatever? Well, no, there's no reason. Okay, have you got your diary there? Bang! It's it's that kind of thing. It should. It's a natural progression. This closing business everyone talks about ABC always be closing. Actually, you should just do the the beginning bit right. And if you get all of that right, then actually the close will just happen itself. Anything to add on that, Zach? There's certain personalities that I think are tougher. So certain, especially I found the bigger companies you go, the more C-suite you go, get a lot of these like self-made millionaires or daddy's money millionaires who are risk averse or don't think they have a risk or couldn't possibly admit it to a stranger on the phone. So sometimes you have got to get them to feel it a bit more in the last bit of the conversation. So you've got to talk to them in a way that maybe a CEO of a big company isn't spoken to a lot. So they started to tell you the problem. You physically can't move anywhere in a call in our framework without there being a problem so let's take it that we've got a problem they're kind of admitted to, to a bit we're getting them to feel it a bit the last few questions i'll probably take them for you are how long have you felt like this for 
to which they'll say, let's say they say five years, and I'll probably purposefully say it, summarize it back to them wrong. So I'd probably say, oh, five months. No, 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 five years. Oh, wow, five years. Right, okay. Um, wow, okay. Well, based on everything you said, I've got a bit of a tough question to ask. Yeah, go on. Are you sure it's tough? It's probably going to hurt your feelings. No, oh, go on. Why don't you just give up? And they start to say, oh, no, no, I couldn't give up. I'm so invested in the business at the minute. We're moving on. We're doing this. We're doing that. And then all of a sudden, all that emotion pours out. And then from that, it's a case of, well, I don't know if I can help you. But if I could, what would you tell me? Well, I'd probably want to see what you can do next. Cool, you've got your diary there. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's a nice way to get them to open up. I know, I'm a real pain. <laughs> Good stuff, chaps. Well, I think we've gone through a pretty good framework, really, in terms of kind of linking sales to therapy, looking for problems, diving deeper, not taking the surface level answers, um, moving that into kind of emotion, an emotional level, and then kind of setting, setting next step. Is, is there anything else that we should consider before we look to wrap this session up? Um, I think the weird one that we see the most when it doesn't work out with people that we hire is when they sound like we all sound here. And then when they get on a call, they sound totally different. So I think human beings have got this kind of great authenticity detector. So if you sound quite unnatural, you might sound great. You might be fluid in what you're saying, but you might have a weird tone of voice. I think like really be cognizant, especially if you're just starting of what do I actually sound like? And is that how I sound normally? It's, it's really sales is all about just leaning into kind of what you would do naturally, how you would treat things naturally with a little bit of nuance to it, a little bit more challenging than you probably would be with your friend, but definitely leaning on how you actually sound. Mm. And if you can crack that bit, that's probably the hardest bit of all to teach. If you can just sound like you sound and be authentic, that's half the battle. Yeah. Anything from you, Joe? No, that was beaut beautifully put. You, you hit me right in the feels. <laughs> exactly you got me emotional when can i book a meeting <laughs> <laughs> and on that note thank you very much jack zach the we have a meeting crew it's uh it's been a pleasure um thank you yeah, appreciate you. no worries appreciate you walking us through kind of the a to z of linking sales and therapy so with that please do share more about how everyone tuning in can connect with you your site and anything you'd like to direct our audience to well, yeah, well, it's a, it's a good point, isn't it? We've just had a site built by your wonderful team, Sam. So um, that will hopefully be going live over the next few days. So we'll be a bit more of a robust qualification process, should you want to take it and pay our extortionate rates. Um, and there's a lot of information on there, should you need it. But um, yeah, big thanks to you and your team, Sam, for putting that together. And obviously, if you wanted to follow our madness and the thoughts that we have on a day-to-day -day basis me and jack are quite prolific on linkedin jack probably more so you probably post like three times a day don't you jack at the minute so there's a there's a i think there was a harvard study that 60 to 80 percent of our thoughts on a daily basis on a daily basis are absolute nonsense so, um, <laughs> yeah um, hey, yeah check us out on linkedin We're, we we try and share stuff that might be helpful or it might just give you a belly laugh who knows Awesome. Cheers, guys. Appreciate you coming on. We'll put all those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. 
and make sure you check out wehaveameeting.com or check these guys out on LinkedIn. Putting great stuff when it comes to sales development, booking meetings, mindset and all that good stuff. Cheers, gents. And with that, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your podcast channel goes a long way or subscribe on YouTube and we'll catch you on the next one for more actionable, no BS, B2B marketing tips to drive your revenue. Catch you on the next one.